0: Hello, it's Dallas, and welcome back to the Becoming the Character podcast. It's good to have you back. Um, today we have on a special guest, man. I've been waiting a long time to upload this interview um, because it is a special one. Um, it's, it's unique in a lot of ways, um, and that'll be demonstrated best by actually listening to the interview and, and, and hearing the way, you know, this guy, this guest, Rick Mulready, his story progresses. Um to give you a little bit of background on Rick Mulready, he's one of the biggest podcasters on the planet, obviously, um, with the art of online business, formerly the art of paid ads. Um, formerly, well, he had a podcast before that, Insight Social Media. Um, his podcast does crazy numbers. Um, alongside that, Rick Mulready is a guy to give you some insight on his story. Before you get into the actual interview and hear for yourself, you know he left the corporate world. He's been through the early internet, most early internet startups from AOL to Yahoo. You know, played for the Washington Capitals. Played. He was a scouting coordinator for the Washington Capitals. He's been through it all in in in, in uh, the corporate world. Uh, Rick was actually making, you know, multiple six figures uh, when he decided to, in 2012 to take a leap of faith and become an entrepreneur. And since then, he's gone and built his own seven figure multi-seven-figure business um up from scratch and um in this podcast episode you get to hear the story um in the inner workings of his mind and, and his personality and the details of how that all came together and so without further ado i'm gonna let you actually hear the episode uh, i do want to say man I, I appreciate rick mulready and his team for actually coming together to make this podcast episode happen um man, as always it means a tremendous amount to me that somebody would take the time out of their day to come and uh Speak about what it is that matters in this world, so deeply appreciate it. it means everything um but without further ado, you know, the interview speaks for itself. so here you go. Thanks <laughs> All right. Okay, according to Siri or whoever that was, recording is in progress. So what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Surviving a Cancel podcast. By the time you'll hear it, it'll probably be the Becoming the Character podcast. But anyhow, today we have on a very, very special guest. I should change up the intro because I always say that it's kind of generic. But today we have on Rick Mulready. Uh, man, he's been in online advertising since basically I was born not quite but basically you know you've been doing things around pr i'm sure since the day i was born i'm sure right maybe maybe not
1: but you're um, aging me here man i, I know I'm, I'm
0: i'm almost doing it on purpose like, you
1: know, like i gotta attack you
0: psychologically break you down and <laughs> now i'm just messing with you but um uh, yeah, he's been through it all, man. He's been through advertising with some of the biggest companies and some of the biggest clients and he's going on to start his own seven figure business as well as run several different podcasts, such as insight, social media, art of paid trafficking, which transitioned to art of online business. And, uh, Man, he's connected and he's really doing it. He's really doing it. fellow East coast native father, um, man, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. <laughs> And I have been doing this for a long time. Actually, it's kind of weird. I don't like to admit it to, I mean, you kind of have to like, you know, quote unquote, use it as credibility. But like at the same time, it's like, whoa, I've been doing this a long time. So, but everything's good, man. Honestly, everything's really good.
0: Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, I mean, because I turned 24 a few months ago and that's something that's it bothers me, man. Is that something that bothers you? Like in a legitimate sense, like man, like it's been a long, we've been on this planet forever. Like, you know, is this something that bothers you at all?
1: Yeah. I think, I think what's bothering me most about it. And, and, you know, it's the whole cliche, like age is just a number, like it's what you make of it. Yeah. But you know, as, as, as we get older, it's like, man, like getting older, like is, (laughs) is, you know, like is, life here is are we wine you know like is it's we don't have that much longer but I had somebody talk to me the other day they're like well you've got another you know you've got another several decades ahead and I was like oh yeah when you put it in like that perspective like I don't know Mm -hmm. so I mean I feel good like healthy like I don't you know like it's just yeah
0: yeah yeah for sure I mean in a lot of ways, I mean, it is just a number. in a lot of ways, I mean the function of the body between certain spans of ages it doesn't really change. It, but it, it feels like it does. It hurts to age. It, it really does. Since what age have you been feeling like I'm aging?
1: Well, I mean, I would say, I would say the last I'd say like in the, my 40s
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, cause like most people meet me and they're like, they don't realize like, I'm going to be 49 in three weeks. Hmm. And most people don't even, they're like, Oh really?
0: Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah.
1: yeah. They're like, Oh, I thought you were like, I don't know, whatever, like 30 mid thirties or something like that. Yeah. And like, sure. whatever that, whatever 49 feels like or whatever, I don't feel that. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like, but I don't feel that. yeah And so many people are surprised that, but I would so yeah, like once I hit 40s, um, I started feeling like, oh, you know, like, yeah. all right, let's just say like h- half of life is over. But I mean, like, that's just the different, like, I actually don't like to think about it like that. Like, You're I literally had somebody me. the other day tell me they're like, they're like, oh, dude, you got another at least 50 years to go. And I was like, a long time. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, that's a long time. Yeah. So, Yeah
0: yeah it's, it's a very scary thing man I, you know like i said i mean it, it, it's all relative because i've 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 been feeling you know for for a long time now bad about just aging i'm like man like like man we already we're already on our way out you know like we're you're already 20, there
1: you're 24 dude
0: <laughs> and i mean a lot of i mean it might be a generational thing man but a lot of people you know my age feel that way like knocking on the door like it's over with (laughs) a lot of people (laughs) but i think
1: (laughs) but but does that does that like drive your because before we hit record here you were telling me that you're like you know what i just want to live life and be present to what's going on and all that stuff i mean is part of part of the reason for that what you're talking about is like oh man i'm getting older
0: um for sure for certain i mean i would think so um it, it's hard to accept new chapters and, and new milestones but i think the primary driver would be career pathway because the entire purpose of me starting business and gaining some type of financial freedom is i want to rap i want to make music and mm-hmm. a lot of career pathways you know within stardom it makes it seem like you have a cutoff point you know and also there's fears around it based you know um I've never talked as much on a podcast. It's strange. Based in like, uh, you know, the ways in which your brain functions, you know, as you grow, I don't know, like in terms of hammering down a creative project, I mean, it's like, you ever seen Mad Men?
1: Yeah, I, I actually never watched the entire series, but a few episodes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a point in the show where Don Draper, like,
0: not to spoil anything, it's not a big spoiler, Like he almost is losing his touch, and like, I'm scared of that. I know it's not
1: reasonable, but like, I don't know. Well, are um, you rapping now?
0: Uh, Yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten back into the process of writing. It's been just purely business for a long time, but I've gotten into the process of writing, and yeah. uh, hopefully we do big things. But, you know, to veer back on course, man, this is so strange, <laughs> um, you you. You said in the interview, you've been challenged with anxiety since yeah. the seventh grade. And that was the, the most oddly specific statement I ever heard. And so, so what, what moment did you realize that?
1: When I actually was being asked by, I've been, in, I've been in and out of therapy since my dad passed away. My dad passed away when I was 25. He had wow. colon cancer. He was diagnosed at when he was 45 and then he passed away at 55. Mm-hmm. So shortly after that, I started to go th- into, into therapy and I've seen some form of therapist over the years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as I got older, it was more mm-hmm. about the anxiety and all that stuff. And then, you know, questions started of popping up about like, well, when, like, how far back can you pinpoint or how far back do you remember like feeling this way? Mm-hmm. And I'm terrible with those types of The questions, like, I don't know. (laughs) But the more I (laughs) thought about it, like, what kept coming up for me sort of naturally in my head was like seventh grade for some reason. I'm like, Uh, because I could picture myself where that was, what I was doing. I grew up in New Hampshire. I went to a a super, super small grade school. It was a small Catholic school in town. And I just remember that time period. And so I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense yeah it is kind of weird it's like oh seventh grade but just that's just kind of how i've kind of identified as far back as i can go
0: mm -hmm. and there wasn't a a moment that 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 caused that or or you don't remember its onset specifically or reasons behind it
1: um i think that growing up in such a small town in new hampshire where i wasn't exposed to a whole lot and I was very much like a homebody. like I was just very much to being you know like used to being around home. And then when I started going to school and you know getting towards the end of grade school before going into high school, um, I was just very I had a hard time with that with that transition of it sounds kind of weird, but like just being in a school setting. And yeah. it's it's really interesting because my my wife literally and I was telling you right before we hit record like I have a two and a half year old daughter Maya and she is it, she just started preschool last last week and so um, today is day four that she's she's been doing it she's having a really hard time um, adjusting to it mm-hmm. and you know my wife literally said to me last night because I told I told Maya my daughter I said you know that daddy used to ex- experience a ton of worry and fear around going to school yeah and my wife said to me something like i never even thought of it this way And she's like i really think you went through all of that early on your life to be able to help our daughter through that sort of thing and it just kind of blew my mind you know um so, yeah, and I do think it picked, but I, I think that, I mean, it's kind of like a roller coaster where throughout life, it's like, sometimes it's a lot worse and other times it's so much better and it's gotten much, much better because I've learned how to deal with it. But I think it really did begin to spike when I left the corporate world to start the business. Wow. And cause I was like, oh, you know, I had this, like, you know, everyone thinks that a corporate job or a day job, quote unquote, is like the security. Well, I thought yeah. the same thing, but then I realized it took me several years to figure it out. But I was like, you know what? I have way more security, if you will, control over income and all that on what I'm doing through my yeah. own business, rather than like, I could walk into, you know, back when I was in corporate, I I, w- I could walk in there and they could say, and it'd be a Thursday. They are like, all right, Rick, you're done tomorrow. And I'm like, uh, you know, so it's just like the reality of that, but yeah, it, like I said, it took me several years to try to, to understand that. And I think that is what during that time is what like spiked the, I was like, holy cow, like I'm responsible for my income. Yeah. i not like, I don't have this check coming in every two weeks now. Mm-hmm. And until I accept the fact that no, I have way more control now than oh. I did ever before. Then things got a whole lot better. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, man. Like, in, in that regard, it's such a hard journey. A lot of what you'll face, you know, going from place to place and aspiration to inspiration is so tailored to who you are. It's just, it makes it very, very painful. And so I can imagine that must have been crazy, crazy painful and crazy, crazy scary, man. Like, sheesh this has been lifelong. And so starting at the earliest points and moving into, you know, middle and high school. Um, are there any moments or regrets that spawned out of this feeling? Like maybe, uh, maybe you wanted to talk to somebody or participate in the sport. Are there any particular moments that you can pinpoint where this is something that just, you know, um,
1: do you mean like the worry and anxiety or. <clears throat> yeah. Kind worry worry anxiety. G- going out of my own, which part of that? Cause I, mean, like, I think in- that, mm-hmm. yeah, <clears throat> I think the worry and anxiety, like early on, so like my parents growing up for me, growing up, they weren't, they didn't know. I mean, they knew about it, but they weren't into like therapy or anything like that. So I remember they, they had me talk to um, a priest. Cause I grew up Catholic I'm not practicing Catholic anymore, but I grew up Catholic. So they're like, we don't really, we can't really help them. So go talk to this guy over here. And uh, it was, I didn't know like, what, like, what am I here for? You know what I mean? I was just like, why am I doing this? And um, I would say the best thing that came out of that was he was a super nice man. And I've actually, I, um, there was a a, a death of a close family friend a few years ago. And I, I, I got to see this to see this guy at at that, um, at the funeral or the wake or whatever it was. And it was really nice to see him, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know what good that that good came out of it for me. Cause I did like, I was so young. I'm like, I don't know how to do it. Like, what am I supposed to be getting out of this? Right. But I do remember getting like from that relationship, I ended up getting one of my first jobs mowing the lawn at this big, like center, like where people went for retreats and stuff like that. So like right. all right. All right. So I got a job out of it.
0: Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a good exchange. Yeah. Man, you get paid to get treated. Yeah. I remember grandmother's the same way. If you broke her arm, she put olive oil on you. Weird. But olive I mean, oil? Yeah. I guess that's a black thing, a black church thing. I don't know. <laughs> she put like olive oil on you. Or uh yeah, they do that in church. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, (laughs) I don't use olive oil to heal my wounds nowadays. So, but, uh, so, so this must've been a severe thing. Um, can you trace like, like what type of, what, what was it? What was your household like growing up? Like, how was that? Like, can you trace any of the, the worry and fear back to, to, to that environment?
1: Yeah. I mean, so like, my dad was an auto mechanic my mom was a um early when i was super young she was a um pediatric nurse and then she made a complete 180 and was a children's librarian after that um and you know i have two sisters on the middle yeah and i think that <clears throat> you know it's funny because whenever whenever um i go back to new hampshire now i Again, it's a small town. I grew up just um, an hour north of Boston, an hour um, right in the middle between Portland, Maine and Boston. And mm. I go back there now and I, I think of it like, I don't know, it's a, hard, it's a hard feeling to describe or a thought to describe. It's like everything seems so hard. I mean, very similar to why you came from Maryland out to LA. You're like, this is where it's at. Yeah. When I feel when I'm in New Hampshire, just the environment feel and nothing against New Hampshire. Like I grew up there. I love it. Like no, but what you mean? Just the feeling is very confining and that it's like wait, how am I going to have a big impact yeah in the world from this small town in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Now, you 100% can do that. But like, 100%. I don't know, that was the feeling of that. And so I think that was I think that brought out a little A lot of unknown for me Mm -hmm. and a lot of fear and that's what carried into like you know as i was going to school and i went from you know my eighth grade class was like i don't know like 23 people or something and then i went to the public high school in town where there's 1300 people in the school Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and, you know, California standards, 1,300 people in high school is super small. right? Yeah. <laughs> but like for, for me going from a class of like 23 people up to, you know, quote unquote, the big high school, that was like super, super nerve wracking for me back then. Yeah. So
0: it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can, man, I, I don't know if this is something you've experienced, but I just came back from a two week vacation in, in uh, Maryland. And man, I felt very sick the first week. I was very, very sick. Um, just mentally, I was very depressed. Like the, the energy of places are very different. You know, I I don't think it's just imagination. The way people carry and hold themselves, and, and in certain places, it's just not good. It's very sad to see. Um, the limit the beliefs that you're encountering, friends and family, it, it breaks your heart sometimes, and. By the sounds of it, you were somebody that was young and 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 wanted to expand and wanted to do great things and wanted to be somebody. Is that something that caused any strife for you? Was the town around you like no, we don't do that? You know, we're we're, we're we're linear in our approach to life. We want to go to college and once you graduate, when you get a job, we don't want you to expand. Is that something you had trouble with?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, not that I got pushed back on, but that's what I knew. That's what I was taught. And that's what I saw. Like, it was very linear. I love how you put that. It's just like, okay, Mm -hmm. you graduate from high school, you go to college, Mm -hmm. and then you get, you know, a job, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, my dad told me, he's like, I don't care what you do. He's like, just make sure you get that diploma. But that was like old school thinking, right? Like, for sure. I mean, you can just, you can rattle off so many names right now of of uber (laughs) successful people who did not go to college, right? And so that, but that's what I saw. That's what was modeled, Mm -hmm. right? Now, ironically, neither of my parents went to college. And I think that that was part of like why it was so important to them is because they didn't go to college. And Mm -hmm. so I was actually the first member of my family to graduate from college. My oldest sister did two years of college. She was in nursing school, and then didn't finish and so i was the first to do that and i was like that's pretty cool yeah um, it is. but yeah and then after that it was like okay i was in sports when i left college because i i say in sports meaning i worked in sports cuz i i interned for the washington capitals my senior year in school right and i was like oh this is what i want to do mm-hmm. and so I, when I graduated, it was, they were like, we'd love to have you work with us, but we don't have a position open. And then I did some like just random side weighted tables and I, um, I did some work for a hockey agent and it was just kind of all over the place, just, you know, having a good time. And then a job came open with the Capitals that, um, where I was the scouting coordinator. So that was just basically worked in the GM's office and I was the liaison between the GM and the scouting staff. And that, was amazing like that was my dream job and i got to travel with the team sometimes and just like had so much fun Mm -hmm. and then but then like i sort of you know the sports world is such a close knit like internally like within the teams and stuff like that it's like number one who you know and it is very like a very small you know connected club of people if you will and you know so I had the opportunity to go to Nashville to mm. open up the, the new team, which is the Predators now, wow. but my, my dad had just passed away. And I was like, I don't want to go down to a place yeah. I've never been to before. I don't know anybody. And I just was like, no, I'm going to pass that up. Um, I don't, I don't regret that at all because I stayed at, at with, the, with the team for a couple more, I think it was like two more years and yeah. then I saw the writing on the wall and the guy who there was a guy who came in and bought the team. He was one mm. of the early people at AOL. Right. And so I got to know him. I got to know his staff. Long story short, as I was like, okay, this whole internet thing's pretty cool. Yes. I'm going to go over in that world. And that was, yeah. So mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, man, <laughs> I was, you know, learned about that, you know, how that happened. I don't know who interviewed it was. I don't remember. It was. Um, I don't remember who was interviewed. It was, but I was learning about that. I'm like, that's wild. You know, that's, that's a very, you know, lucky exchange right there. But um, to sum up an earlier chapter, uh, essentially. In the early years of life. Um, because one of the things I like to do is just figure out like what the hell happened to everybody. Something happened that defined mm-hmm. all these moving pieces out here. But for you, it seems like. When you were younger, nothing happened. Everything was pretty much smooth sailing and it was, it was
1: pretty, pretty good time. Mm. Yeah. Until my dad died. Um, like I said, I was 25. And so, yeah, up and up until that, I had like pretty good, pretty good life. My, my parents were, especially my dad was really strict with Mm -hmm. us, my, with us, meaning my sisters and I, um, And I think that really led to me later on in life wanting to do my own thing. Cause like, I hate being told what to do. Like Mm -hmm. I hate being told what to do or it has to be done this way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was pretty, it was like, you know, honestly no complaints, Mm -hmm. Um, super grateful for all that time period. And but then when my dad died, yeah, things completely changed because he was the closest person to me yeah. ever. And so, you know, life like that just brought up a whole, a new set of stuff. Like I would never forget, like when my dad was super, super sick, I was in Virginia working for the Capitals. And I was like, I'm going to move back home yeah, because I want to be, I want to be closer to you. And he said, no, you're not going to do that because you're doing exactly what you want to be doing, and so you know, look back on that now, like now, and I'm like, do I regret that? But I, I really think that everything happens for a reason. Now, granted, like I have a hard time coming to terms with that, with losing my dad, yes, but like Tom. the decisions, though, all led me to where I am right now, where I, I you know, yeah. I couldn't be couldn't be happier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. You've come a long way and done some things most people will never do. Like, uh, even just to put it into, like, it it always seems, you know, because internet marketing is such a big space. You can see what everybody's doing. Yeah. But when you put some of the accomplishments of many people into perspective, it's mind-blowing. Like, uh, I had an interview with Brandon, you know, Brandon uh, Lucero. Mm -hmm probably Mm -hmm. a month ago and i'm just like doing the numbers like his last launch he said was like 1.6 million yeah but i also looked up like that's what the average person makes in their entire corporate lifespan you know and you've um gone on to do insane numbers in your own business and i think in the first year quadrupling and then doubling and then going all the way to a a million dollar business um multi-million dollar business it's like you know these 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 things are completely insane and you know that was a tangent that I don't know how I got on, but man, it, it
1: you know, it's insane. Oh. I think, I think that is just to kind of add, sorry to interrupt. I think that is really important to, to note though is that in this online space and I think it's such a detriment, unfortunately, like all these numbers get thrown around. And then yeah. I, so I think the significance of like, of that right there, of like how successful some businesses are. Um, now, granted, we're saying successful from a monetary standpoint, because that person could be making that much money and they're miserable.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. But it's yeah, just like, sure. like I think people just hear those numbers and it's, in the online space, honestly, like it's a normal thing, right? You know, like you yeah, hear that all the time and I think that's a de- detriment, honestly, mm. because uh, I'd rather have, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd rather have, just as an example, I'd rather have a um, $100,000 business and, you know, like 80% profit margin, let's just say, than yeah. a higher revenue business. And it's super stressful. You know, the profit margin is far, far less. Yeah. So many women, par- you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's why what we teach and coach on is just creating your What does your ideal business look like because so many people are chasing and i did this too like we're chasing that another person's business Mm -hmm. and then in because like i call it the iceberg effect like we never know what's going on i'm so glad we're talking about all these other things too because this is things that most people don't talk about but like it's that iceberg effect as i call it you only see what's going on above the water You don't see all the crap that's going on below the water, right? And so when we start chasing that, like that somebody else's business of, ooh, that's ideal. Mm -hmm. But you have no idea, number one, how many years it took to get there. Number two, like what's going on, all this other stuff. It's like create what's right for you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that is very likely going to be looking, going to look really, really different than somebody else's.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that, that is a really good, Point and really good conversation. Um, yeah, I, I think that part is f- not very well understood. You know, I even just listening to Steven Larson uh and what he speaks about on this podcast, you know, you know, first off being in business and having these two comic club awards and hitting these milestones per month and having much of it disappear, and you know, you, you're left with not as much at the end of the day, and then even going through a divorce and understanding about the way in which businesses are valued and that, you know, you might have to start doing things a little differently. It is a lot of smoke and mirrors, yeah. but the feet, you know, the feats, you know, by their self, it's, it's, it's still an impressive thing. I mean, you, you know, what everyone that I learned from and follow including yourself, you know, has done. It's just like, you know, like it, 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 like you said, the lifestyle attached to it, you know, being able to raise your daughter and be at home when your daughter gets home today, yeah. you know, yeah. two and a half years old. I mean, that's such an important thing. But you mentioned um that your dad was more strict, right? Yeah. And you also mentioned, um, this was also in Brandon's interview, that you were a bit of a control freaking business. Can can you can you relate those two attributes as something that you you know gained genetically or is or is there an event that created that that emotion? Because I think that's probably the primary thing entrepreneurs struggle with is just control. Like and it always yeah. can be traced back to something in life you know
1: that's a great question I've, I've actually never really thought of it that way but you're absolutely right because I don't I can't picture I just, I, I, something like very specific <clears throat> does, doesn't like come up for me as far as my as far as my parents go it's just more of like a collection of <laughs> a collection of instances where yeah. um you know like perfect example perfect and it happened just this morning so again i'm trying to tell this story to my daughter of how you know daddy used to have a really hard time going to school as well and i was telling her about my preschool which was in rye new hampshire and i told her the name and i said i remember very distinctly i took you remember playmobile people do you know playmobile people are again, I'm aging myself. So they're just like little, they're just like little (laughs) characters or whatever. And you could like pop off their bodies and put them, you know, put little things together. So I, I remember I took one home from school. So I basically stole it and I, I put it, (laughs) I put it in my, in my, I remember putting it in my, uh, uh, pillowcase. And that's where I, that's where I hit it because I feel like maybe I think I'd known I'd done something wrong. And so, I told my wife that story several times and she laughs. She's like, yeah, I've heard this story. But anyway, I was telling, (laughs) I was telling my daughter this morning and I would jokingly say like, I kind of like was like, yeah, that's, that's where I took that home. And I said, I said to my wife, I said, yeah. And I got in big trouble for that because my wife or my mom found it. She was like changing my pillowcase or whatever. And the thing popped out and she's like, what is this? And, you know, and so like, I got in big trouble for that. Jeez. And it, and my wife made a comment about it that makes complete sense is like, that's kind of a normal thing for like super young kids to be doing, right? It's just sure. kind of normal behavior. And so does that actually deserve being like super punished or super getting super mad at, you know, for that? Yeah. And I'm just like, that's a great point, you know? But that was sort of a normal thing. And I'm not saying like, I love my mom to death and like, I love my dad, but like, but that that is something that I was fairly used to, unfortunately. And I think that that Mm -hmm. did just over time contributed to, you know, not wanting to be told what to do by anybody. Um, And yeah, I'm not really sure what that, well, I think that, that it's it's a great point about connecting that with control because I have had the hardest time letting go of control. But what I've yeah. learned over the years is like the the paradox of it is if you want to scale your business, you have to let go of control because you can't do it all yourself. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. And I'm, I don't mean like you have to have a big team, but like if you have even one person helping you, you have to give them control over certain things (laughs) and trust them, um, which is really hard for most entrepreneurs, you know, especially early on. And like, I'm raising my hand right now. Like, like I'm still a control freak, but I'm way better than I used to be. But yeah, it's, it's hard. But yet when we remember that we need to be able to give up that control in order to do bigger things and have a bigger impact, then it sort of helps, right? You're like, all right, this is a skill I need to learn.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, yeah, man, <laughs> I know so many people listening probably can relate to that. Like, man, like something in childhood that was like, now that you look back on it, it was like this little tiny little thing happened and it just, whoa oh, just went off the handle. Like that was a lot of my life as well. I can relate to that. And, you know, that's why I bring up these points with, you know, within these interviews, because, you know, Struggling and starting a business, it, you know, you can trace back so many of the qualities that you have as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, to things that happened in early life, and a lot of it is governed by fear or you know abandonment and all these strong emotions. But this is actually the first interview where you somebody like has actually grown up regular, like normal, like in in mm-hmm. that is such a blessing, you know, and it. It's also a blessing because you you do have a family, you know. A lot of people, you know, the ways in which you're conflicted as an entrepreneur, you know, uh, with controlling things they develop inside of your family unit. Is that is that yeah. something that you've experienced with control in, in in terms of family, in terms of you know your life?
1: Not really. Like what co- what co- mm-hmm. what just came up for me as you were as you were saying that is, like I I have a hard time talking to my family about what like the business yeah. and and how well the business is done you know I'm often um, embarrassed it sounds funny but like I'm embarrassed to talk to them about it yeah. um, and you know I had a hard time I remember I finally told my mom how well the business is done like a couple of years ago yeah. and just because I felt like I'm like, man, it's my mom. Like, I feel like I should be able to talk about this sort of stuff with her. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: like, she took it in stride, but I can, I like, I know her so well that she was like thinking like what she was thinking actually, as I told her that. Um, but at the same time, like it felt a huge weight off my shoulders to be able to just like say that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and you know, my sisters don't, my sisters don't know um, I think my younger sister has a pretty good idea. Like she's going through, um, she recently had surgeries for stage three, uh, breast cancer, and wow. she is just started at the time of recording this yesterday was her second treatment. Uh, mm-hmm. no, two days ago was her second treatment and she has did four months of chemotherapy. And so mm-hmm. the weeks that she has her chemo treatments, like I'm sending her dinners for, her and her two kids, uh, like I'm just like texting her, like, all right, what do you guys want for dinner tonight? And she says something, and like we order it. And um, where for me, I think that doing that such an easy which sounds kind of weird. Like sounds such an easy thing, but mm-hmm. that's you know for her that is such a big deal. And yeah. like I was just like, no, I just want to, just want to. It's just, it sounds weird as I'm talking about it. Like I just (laughs) like, no, I want to be able to, you know, order whatever pizza hut for you guys. You know what I mean? Like just, just do that. So, so yeah, just it, the control thing hasn't come up with the family. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they know that, I mean, they know that like I'm Mm -hmm. very different, like wired very differently than my sisters and it's fine. Right. Like I went to school Mm -hmm. in Virginia and I went, so that was 500 miles away from where I grew up mm-hmm. and it was just like, Jeez. I couldn't get out of, I couldn't get out of, you know, small town fast enough where my sisters stayed there. Right. right. And they both live in New Hampshire still, which is completely fine. I just mm-hmm. wanted out. And so I was just that very different. Like I want to go experience mm-hmm. more and, and bigger and yeah, like I just, other stuff drives me and other stuff, um, mm-hmm makes me happy and all that stuff. And I don't mean like that from a material perspective, but I just mean like, I just wanted, I needed to get out of that small town to be able to go experience more stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. This is, this is a very, very complex interview. And it's just like, you know, uh, man, it's weird enough to say, but coming across somebody that, you know, is, has been, at a certain level of joy, a certain level of happiness since like it's almost making me emotional like since since they were young is like it, it it's weird like you know it's like you know the the threads aren't as clear on, on what makes that person tick it is super weird like um man is that a fear in your life because you know it is it, is where are you, you going to say
1: no i just going to i was just going to say like You know, I, I have been happy for most of my life. I think that the, that debilitating, I had somebody tell me, um, a few years ago, um, I don't, I don't know if you know, it's actually Brandon's good friend, Jim Fortin. Mm -hmm. Jim told me a couple of years ago, he said, you live life every day with an underlying, um, fight or flight, like that underlying stress it just sort of, it's like the foundation of every day for you. Yeah. And I was like, that was the first time anybody ever told me that. And I was like, yeah, like it does make sense. And so, so yeah, for the most part, I've been, I mean, very fortunate, very grateful to be, to, you know, have a pretty, whatever normal means, like normal and happy life. I think that the, the anxiety part, has been underlying for the, for much of my life, but didn't really get to, excuse me. I mean, outside of like after high, like from like seventh grade through high school, it was debilitating. Then once we hit, once I hit college and stuff like that, it got so much better, but then corporate world, it was fine again. I was just, cause like, I would just go in do my thing and then leave. But then when you're, again, running, going back to like, when you start your own business, all that changes, right? It's not like, at least for me, like I have a really hard time even to this day, like shutting off quote unquote at, at night. And I mean that from the perspective of my brain, not like my laptop. And so, (laughs) and, but, but yeah, like, it's like, there's always something that you can do. And that i I think that's been the biggest struggle for me is learning to be able to, to I don't want to say con- like bring up control again, but yeah. like learn how to live with it and improve um, that anxiety, that underlying, you know, because people, if someone, does, if someone tells you that even for quote unquote successful online entrepreneurs, yeah. that they don't fear it all come crashing down I call mm. BS on that. And I actually know for a fact many like names that people would know uh-huh. have that same fear, but like you just learn to you just learn how to handle it mm. differently as you go. Um and I've experienced that too. You know, yeah. like oh man, I've been like done really well and like what if it comes crashing down. But what a lot of people forget too is the skill set that you learn as you're building the business. Yeah. Nobody can take that away from you.
0: For certain.
1: You know. Yeah. So like God forbid something happens and your business comes crashing down, like all right, you've learned an amazing skill set that you mm-hmm. can use to go create something new. Mm-hmm. And that business will grow faster because you've been through all that stuff before.
0: Yeah, yeah. You I know? mean, it, once you can do it, like you can do it. Yeah. And so, you know, one source of of, of of question is you know this business coming crashing down but but you're unable to as far as you know pinpoint throughout every year of your life each chapter prior what that was like you don't really know where it was coming from
1: I don't um, I think a lot of it had to do with so I have a feeling I I have um I have a real struggle with um feeling like i'm not enough mm-hmm. or i'm not doing enough yeah and that goes back to again around 7th grade too just that just because like that's when i can sort of identify that and mm-hmm. so like i was always like the friend zone for girls that yeah. i was interested in so like okay so my i internalized that as not being enough mm-hmm. um I played baseball, basketball and soccer growing up in the, in the small town. And I was always an all-star like whatever traveling or whatever team. But then when I hit high school, much bigger, much different story where I was barely on the team, whether it be soccer, baseball or basketball. Um, And so like that internalized more of like, I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. Um, And so I think that really set the foundation as I went on in life of I'm not, and that shows up in relationships, you know, mm-hmm. that has shown up a lot with my wife, for example, we've worked on that, like that, that foundation. And is certainly carried into my business. Right. Yeah. Cause you get that fear of like, Oh, I'm not doing enough. So whatever I'm working on isn't going to work or, yeah. or I'm not enough. Meaning comparison you know Mm -hmm. comparing to other people and so so yeah so again i don't think it's one individual thing that Mm -hmm. really changed the course i think it was just over time things started to get ingrained in me and and became like that what those became my beliefs Mm -hmm. over time yeah
0: yeah super interesting man that is crazy interesting people are so variable it's weird how like, I don't know, it's just super strange. Like, so many people, like, well, people are generally not very variable, but they are at the same time because there's so many people. Like, I haven't met somebody like you. And so, has there ever been a, ch- a point in time where you felt like I beat it? I finally beat it because you did go into the corporate world. you were from AOL to Yahoo. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's also, you did personal training, right?
1: You know, yeah. and there, there yeah, were points
0: in time. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, yeah, when I first got out to LA, Cause I, I took a very similar path that you did where I was at AOL for five years and then I got laid off finally in 2000, uh, middle of 2004. And I was like, I've been on the East coast now for all these years. I want something new. And I had gone out to LA to visit a friend of mine previously and i was like oh my god the, the weather's like this all the time and the vibe you talk about energy you feel the vibe and you feel energy <clears throat> i really i loved it and um and so and so anyway so i was like i'm going to go to the i'm going to go to the west coast i didn't i didn't know anybody i didn't have a place to live um you know i did, i knew nothing about the area basically and mm-hmm. so i did what sounds like what exactly what you did is like i packed up my car
0: <laughs> drove
1: across country yeah. And uh landed myself in you know off Sunset Boulevard and mm-hmm. West Hollywood, essentially, um, but anyway, I remember I, I forgot what your original question was. Why did I start saying that? Um,
0: uh, it was just a mention of personal training
1: oh yeah. personal training, yeah, 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 oh, so I was like, you know what, I want to get away from the online space for a little bit. Because I've been at aOL for five years and I was like I want to do something different and so be, be, between when I left the East Coast and when I came out here to the west coast, I became personal became certified personal trainer and started doing it and I was super interested in it because when my dad died that's when I started exercising working out and all that stuff changed my lifestyle um, and so I did that I was really successful at it I had a I had a choice of gyms to work at and then that's a whole other story. But like, then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to do this. I want to go back to what I know. Yeah. And so I had met people when I was at AOL who were on the West coast who were now at Yahoo reached mm-hmm. out to them. They got me connected, started it back at Yahoo and then yeah, next several years. Yeah.
0: And so you're going like, when you were in the corporate world after the corporate uh, after you went left corporate, um, in link with James Wedmore. You know, obviously, your first launch was, I believe, 30,000. Yeah. And, yeah. but before that, you were already making six figures. You were a bona fide winner. So you've been running through life. Yeah. You know? We don't know to this point what you were running from, but you, you were a winner. Did you ever feel like, man, I beat it? Like, was there ever a moment where you was like, I beat
1: it? I finally won. Mm. Yeah. I think that, um, I think, cause when I, 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 well, temporarily, right. Yeah. I mean, because like, I, I literally had this conversation with, with, um, with somebody yesterday. I was like, because again, not doing enough thing comes up for me a lot, yeah. sort of underlying, mm-hmm. but cause I, I could say right now, like, Oh, I've made it. But like, what does that mean? You know, like, Like, what exactly does that mean? It's not, it's not necessarily like you reach a a point and you're like, cool, I've made it. I'm done now. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, I think that that's dangerous on a lot of different levels because then you can get, you know, you can kind of slow down and not continue to put your all into something or, you know, clearly you have to clearly define like, where are you going? Mm -hmm. You know, I was... I was talking, I was interviewing somebody the other day for my accelerator program and what were they, they wanted to, oh, they wanted to feel happier in their, in their business, in their life. And I was like, as a goal. Right. And I was like, yeah. okay, awesome. But like, what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, like-, <laughs> like you got to have something to measure that by. Right. So, um, so anyway, yeah, like I, I think that when, because I made the decision before I left the corporate world and yeah, I was doing very well in the corporate world. And, um, some people were like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you leaving such, you know, so yeah. great, great jobs. But again, I was like, I didn't like being told what to do. I didn't like that my revenue was at, or, you know, the, my paycheck, if you will, was like at the expense of this, somebody else, meaning like this, yeah. little, this. This, this media buyer over here at this agency. And I just didn't like that. And I didn't like the culture. And so anyway, I told myself, I said, I was $75,000 in debt. And I'm not the type of person that I can just jump from yeah. like a job like that with no, with no net there. And so I said, you know what? Okay. Before I leave, I want to have, I want to be out. Audit- I want to be debt-free and I want to have a pretty big safety net. For some reason I, th- I was like, Oh, a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Like that's, that sounds good. Again, that number didn't come from anywhere specifically, but I was able to achieve that. I was able to do that. that and then I decided to leave the corporate world. So like, that was really cool because I'd been in debt my entire life. Right. So to be able to achieve that was sort of like a temporary, like, Oh yeah, I made it quote unquote. But then I left the corporate world and I was like, holy cow, I have no idea what I'm doing right, right now. And that's when reality sets in. I left on a Friday, wake up Monday morning, not going to a job. And it's like, oh, okay. I'm responsible for myself right now in yeah. building this, but yet I have no idea what I'm doing. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that must've been crazy. Like, and so, shortly after that was in uh what 2012 and shortly after that yeah. i believe you started training with james wedmore after the suggestion of lewis howe on mm-hmm. january
1: 2014
0: he did after your that yeah i mean i i, I try i mean this was this was a it's probably was the most difficult one this is this is crazy like you know you're like you just like yeah you know you lived a life like you know um you started launching shortly after that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and things rose very quickly. how did How did that feel?
1: That was really cool because it was so hard for those 15 months from when I left the corporate world, all of 2013, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no yeah. idea, you know, like I'd started, you mentioned before, I started inside social media mm-hmm. with like no revenue (laughs) no revenue plan from that i'm like oh i'm just gonna start this podcast i'm like because that seems like the thing to do and um i'm grateful for that experience because i started podcasting what eight and a half years ago Mm. um and so i got a lot of experience but yeah it was really hard and it was really frustrating and um I, i honestly had no idea what i was doing and so then Yeah, I did my first launch. I believe it was February 8th, 2014 was my first webinar. Um, And um, yeah, so we did, I did um, $30,000 in that first 45 days, 2014. Yeah. And I think that was like, oh, this can actually work. And like, okay, let's do this. Now Mm -hmm. and then, then I think that the the most empowering thing at that point was, and this is what I teach all my students too is just like, do more of what's working, don't try to complicate by chasing the next shiny object over here because we all want to do that, myself included. But like, do more of what worked. So I just Mm -hmm. literally kept launching that course (laughs) with webinars all of 2014, and we ended up doing Hundred and ten thousand dollars that first year, and yeah. I don't say that to like brag. I just like I just kept. I learned I because I was terrible at webinars, terrible at webinars. But like I just kept doing them. I just kept doing them, doing them, and I was like, mm. okay, they're working. Let's keep doing. Them. Let's let's do. It. And that's how I built my list. Like I started with no email list, no brand recognition. Yeah. I didn't even start my the art of pay traffic until uh, June of 2015. So yeah. that first whole year and a half of the, of the business where it was quote unquote official, I mm-hmm. didn't have a relevant podcast. So like I started yeah. out with nothing as far as email list, social media, or anything like that. And I just built it with, you know, I built it up using ads.
0: Yeah. And even with the podcast, you weren't targeting that audience. No,
1: not You're at all. And that's, ads. That's why I started to was like, oh, okay, this, this other podcast needs to stop and I need to create something that mm-hmm. aligns with what I'm doing and what I'm going to be selling. And, um, art of paid traffic was the first paid traffic podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was that way for, I want to say the first, at least the first year, um, yeah. where there were no other paid traffic. I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch right now, but, that was it was the first one and I loved it because it, it was number one, it was early on in podcast. Number two, it allowed me to establish credibility mm-hmm. right off the bat. And um yeah, podcast the best thing I've ever done for the business, period. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get without a doubt, man. Allegedly they're the best listeners, the best buyers, most highly educated, all 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 sorts of things. But um, yeah. you know, I do want to rep because i don't have anything to do but i want to be respectful of time uh because everyone else in the world has has things to do and i don't want to get in the middle (laughs) of that you know but but um what's the difference between now and then what's the difference between where you are and where you began
1: Mm -hmm. and also is there anything
0: you want to add
1: I think between now and then, I'm just like, and this sounds like such a cop out answer, but it's it's really not. It's just like I've learned so much over the years, Uh and I think the biggest thing too now is I become way more comfortable with change and like wanting to expand my message that is frankly different from a lot of the quote-unquote online marketing space that got me to where I am now. Um, Change in standing up for stuff, etc. Years ago would have scared the crap out of me because I thought, well, if I ruffle feathers, if you will, that's going to greatly affect my business. Whereas now... I'm very comfortable. Well, I wouldn't say very comfortable. I'm more comfortable (laughs) doing that because there's always fear, right? But like, I'm that, like, that is very empowering for me and just glad that I've gotten to a point where I do feel more comfortable doing that and not really worrying about how it's affecting or could affect my business. Um, I would say that's the biggest difference between right now. And the way things that were then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you just learn a lot along the way, you know, and it's, sure. it, it's, I would say like the other thing too, is that we often overcomplicate things in growing the business when you can have an uber successful business by serving a super specific niche. Like sure. you'd have, you can have a very successful business with a very small yeah. audience, but most people think like, oh, I have to serve the world <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You know, I have yeah. this huge audience when, you know, it's it just not, if you want to, cool, but um, yeah, you can be really successful in a small audience. And then I would say the other thing I would just add to it and it aligns really, really well with what we've been talking about here is Just be really clear about why you're doing what you're doing, you know? And like for me, when I, when I started or when I left corporate um, or when I made the decision back in 2010 to be like, no, I wanted to go do my own thing. Yeah. I had, you know, everyone talks about like, well, you have to have like um, a grand vision and a bigger (laughs) why. My why was like, I want to, I want to, I want to do my own thing whenever I want to do it. Period. That was it. And, and then, and I want to make a whole lot of money doing it. That was it. Like, and that was it for the first several years, of the business. And Mm -hmm. now, obviously, since having my daughter, like all that has changed from the perspective of there's a bigger why, Right still want to crave still want to work whenever i want to work and do what i want to do that hasn't changed and make a lot of money of course but it's yeah. just it there's a bigger why and a bigger vision there so just be really clear on why you want to do whatever it is that you want to do mm-hmm. and just do your thing like people yeah. want people want like authenticity You know, they just want to hear, they want to be able to connect with, with you as a person. Mm -hmm. And so many people, I think have to put on this or feel like they have to put on this, this like facade, because that's what they think people want to hear or see when it's inauthentic to themselves. And like, I think that's really what I'm talking about as far as like what I've learned now and where I'm at now versus what I, where I was, then if you will mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah man
1: that's beautiful it
0: is man i do want to ask you know it, it, just a tiny little question do you think that the underlying flight or flight or flight do you think that's a lifelong journey or do you think it comes to an end someday
1: no i think it's a lifelong journey i do right. i'm able to i'm way you know i'm not gonna like I'm not afraid to do it. I, I'm on medication. I take yeah. anti, anti-anxiety. I didn't start it until. Well, I started a few years ago, but then the first medication didn't work. And then I finally got on medication that actually worked for me last year in 2020. So that has helped a lot, but also like my coping skills and stuff that I, you know, stuff that I can, my tools, if you will, that I know that when I'm having a hard time. So I, I don't ever think that, I mean, I would love to think that it goes away. <laughs> like completely, (laughs) but I'm just being honest with myself that I think it's always, I think it will be there, but much of less of a factor. And, you know, I'm also there, like going back to the very beginning of our conversation about like aging and all that stuff. Like I'm not a young dad of a two and a half year old. I want to be around for a long time. And I know that the anxiety and the stress is not good for the body in any Uh way. And so I want to mitigate it as as much as possible so Mm -hmm. that I can do, I can be around for a long time and, you know, be the dad to my daughter and stuff like that. And Yeah. uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Well, let's get us out of here, man. I just want to say, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, um, not that's going on now particularly, but that has gone on since the beginning of the world, the world is uh, its a greatly beautiful place, but it's a vicious place also. I mean, it's two sides to that coin. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so many levers being pulled and, and people being heard and people going through things and experiencing traumas and growing up harsh, man. I'm glad that with all this going on, you know, your life, you know, was a normal thing because that is surprisingly rare that you had your yeah. health, that you had happiness, that you had joy, that you had a good child, that you can look back on fondly, you know, the parents that you can like salute, like you love them to death. And, you know, there's no uh, sketchiness there or tough feelings, man. I'm, I'm, You know, this is, this is an important story, you know, to get to that place and to go, you know, to have a life like that and to be that person is super essential. I think for, you know, people like your daughter, for the next generation, you know, Everyone else, man. Uh, it's a long journey to get to a place where you can actually raise something beautiful. Um, so I'm glad that you experienced that, and I'm glad you come from that place. And I think you're gonna, you know, you've done and will continue to do a beautiful job with not only your own piece of the next generation, but the next generation at large in terms of entrepreneurs and everything. And I appreciate all you do. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it's man. It, it man. It's. I gotta I mean, I don't. Maybe I just grew up in a weird place, but it, it is a, it is a special thing. Um, man, but people can find you at com, right? That's the yep. Yep. domain for your link tree or is that your actual website? Uh,
1: no, that's my website. Yeah. com mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. the art of online business podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, they can find you obviously on Instagram under your name. You actually got your name. unlike a lot of people in this world, but, um, <laughs> You know, I, I you guess that a long time ago. You, yeah, you, you own it, man. <laughs> yeah, Mulvres, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, all I got to say is I appreciate you. I know this was kind of like a strange interview. It was, it was hard, you know, your story, you know, it's, it, it was hard to admire, you know. Um,
1: no, I, I really mean, enjoyed it. I'm glad, it. man. Seriously, and I, pre- I appreciate the reminder because we can often lose sight of like, oh, yeah, things were things were really good. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And I appreciate the reminder of that. So that's what mm-hmm. that's like that's a huge takeaway for me of chatting with you on this is like, yeah, it's a good reminder of things are pretty good, you know. Yeah. Because we can often take things for granted, right? And it's just like, yeah, things are pretty good. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, yeah no problem, man. Uh the media does need more of that. Just a oh, regular sunny day. <laughs> but I'm bad at closing yeah. things out. So let me just hit this button now.